Live. I am your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people, just like you, who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. One of the funnest things that I've enjoyed since starting the show about five months ago is that so many of my guests come out of episodes with previous guests, either because the guest has recommended them, you guys have insisted that we get them, or they've been talked about on this show. And today's guest is all three. I had a wonderful interview with Rabbi Shmuley. If you haven't seen it, please consider watching it. You don't have to be Jewish to enjoy that interview or the passion of that man and what he's doing in the world. But when we were talking, the name Dr. Richard Schwartz came up because I had remembered him from, believe it or not, over 30 years ago. He made such an impact on me when I heard him speak at a synagogue in Encino called Valley Beth Shalom, and I bought his book called Judaism and Vegetarianism. And again, this is not about religion. This is really about compassion. And thankfully, somebody tracked him down. He now lives in Israel. You're not going to believe, I'm going to, I don't think he minds if I tell you his age. He's 86, but as a vegan, I don't know, he looks maybe 50 to me. Please welcome all the way from Israel, Dr. Richard Schwartz. I am so happy to reconnect with you again after all these years. Okay, it's great to be on the show, and uh, I want to commend you for the wonderful show. I heard that interview with Rabbi Shmuley, and you was great, and he was great, and he's amazing, and you're amazing, and wish you much continued success. Yeah, well, Dr. Schwartz, I loved your book so much, I don't even have it to show because I actually gave it away to somebody. Oh, and you know, you talk... <laughs> Third edition, and thank God, uh, there's such a strong case, it made it very easy to write the book. You know, it just stows, sit in the shoulders of giants and quoted some and commented, and thank God uh, it's uh, doing okay. You, after I read the book, I mean, I, I was vegan. I mean, I was Jewish first, but then I became vegan at 17. And after I read the book, I'm like, why isn't every Jewish person vegan? But then again, when I think about it, why isn't everybody of every religion vegan? Because I think other religions could make, or even people without a religion, could make the same case that you're making in that book. Absolutely. Every religion is based on compassion and striving for justice, etc. So... Uh, that's true. Matter of fact, by the way, among other things, I'm president of a group called the Society of Ethical and Religious Vegetarians, and that has, in addition, it's Jews, Christians, Muslims, and people from other religions. So, and, and on that website, we have we have quotations from every religion, uh, very strong on uh, vegetarianism and now veganism. You know, you know what always, I think I said this to Rabbi Shumley, what always bothered me about my religion is they felt that as long as you killed the cow a certain way, it was okay. But it, how, how is that okay? Just because it's a special way. They still suffer. They still don't want to give their life up just because they're killed in a different way. Absolutely. Not only that, even if the killing was ideal and painless, which uh, of course it can't be 100%, what about the many, many months on a factory farm where they're very extremely you know, cruelly treated. So that has to be taken into account as well. I agree with you because, you know, when I lived in LA, I often was asked by different organizations, often Orthodox organizations like Chabad to come and do a cooking demo. And they were very precise about where I had to buy the food, they had to be kosher. And I'm thinking just because it's kosher doesn't mean it's healthy. They, they ate so much unhealthy food that was kosher, you know? Well, sure, sure. And it doesn't mean, unfortunately, that there was no cruelty involved. And there's so many negative effects and all. And that's why I wrote that book. And that's why I'm promoting veganism so much, because basic Jewish teachings are very far from the realities of 
animal-based diets and agriculture in terms of how animals are treated, the effect on the environment, the effect on our health, and the effect on hungry people. It's, it's scandalous that with, um, let's see, about 9 million people dying every year of hunger and more than 10% of the world's people chronically hungry, almost 70% of the grain produced in the US, for example, is fed to animals destined for slaughter. So it's like madness and sheer insanity. What makes that worse, by the way, is healthy foods like corn and soy and oats high in fiber, high in complex carbohydrate, devoid of saturated fat, devoid of cholesterol, uh, uh, funneled through animals in effect. And, and the end result is just the opposite, very unhealthy products, high in cholesterol, high in saturated fat, and devoid of fiber and complex carbohydrates. And that's why, unfortunately, there's an epidemic of disease in the Jewish community and in other communities. I agree with you. You know, I often joke that whenever I've gone to a Jewish funeral and afterwards what they serve is exactly what killed the person in the, in the casket. The same kind of food that killed them, that's what they're serving at the funerals. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And there's so, so much yeah. that show that, you know, peer-reviewed articles, we can reduce heart disease, cancer, other life-threatening diseases quite a bit. And in addition, you know, everybody now is wearing masks. We have this terrible pandemic that is very likely caused by the massive mistreatment of animals and widespread consumption of animals. And we had so many wake up calls because other pandemics like MERS and SARS, bird flu, what is it, uh, swine flu, boa virus, all coming from the mistreatment and uh, widespread consumption of animals. So if we want to avoid future pandemics, it's essential that there be a major shift with plant-based, really vegan diets. That's exactly what Dr. Greger has said. So you're 86, you look amazing. When did you first become vegan and why? I became a vegetarian for many years. I think it was like 1978. And the reason for it, actually I was teaching mathematics at the College of Staten Island. And I was teaching one course for liberal arts, non-science students. They're very poorly prepared in math very poorly motivated, but they had to take one math course in order to meet a degree requirement. And I came up with the idea of teaching a course called Mathematics and the Environment. And I wrote a textbook for that, Mathematics and Global Survival. And we tried to tie uh, math into the issues of the day. And one of the objectives is to show students, even though they weren't gonna use math maybe professionally, that understanding math, how to read a graph, understanding the percent, the survey, it helped them understand the world. Anyway, one year talking about world hunger and the tragedy of so many people dying from hunger. And I thought at first, it's just too many people can't provide enough food. But I read this wonderful book, perhaps you read it as well, by Francis Moore LaPay, Diet for a Small Planet, unbelievable. And she pointed out how wasteful animal-based diets are and that so I got that statistic from before, so much grain being fed to animals while people are chronically hungry. Again, estimate now 9 million people dying of hunger every year. So because of that, I talked to the students and mentioning that possibility and after a couple of semesters of that, took my own advice and first gave up cold cuts and then red meat and chicken, etc. So roughly in about 1978, it became a vegetarian. Took me a while, but about 2000 became a vegan, realizing that 
animals are treated probably even worse in the production of eggs and dairy than in terms of meat. And it also has the negative environmental effects and uh, certainly the negative health effects. So that's how I became a vegetarian, then a vegan. And knowing that Judaism has important teachings, feeling I've got to get the message out. There were a lot of very good books on the environment and on vegetarianism, but nothing related to religion. So that's where I got the idea how to write this book, Judaism and Vegetarianism. I think it should be required reading for everyone in general, but every Jewish person and specifically anyone that's, it's like a rabbi. Like, I don't understand what the resistance of Jewish people to, to your messages. Well, uh, you may have heard the expression, denial, denial is not just a river in Egypt. <laughs> people are in denial, they don't wanna know. But when we also made this wonderful video which is called a sacred duty. Let's see, I think I have a copy here. And a one hour video with a multi award winning producer on the issues and uh, about the environment in Israel and why people should be vegetarian. And it's relatively mild in terms of animals are mistreated, but people don't want to see it. They don't want to know. You know, don't uh, confuse me with the facts once I've made up my mind. But thankfully, thankfully, there has been a great movement toward vegetarian veganism, especially here in Israel. Israel is the world capital for veganism, the highest percent of vegans in the entire world, and especially among the young people really moving to it. I'm in here, as you mentioned, 86, in a wonderful retirement village, and uh, a lot of senior citizens here, not too willing to change, but almost everyone tells me they have grandchildren who are vegetarians, vegans, they've gone to weddings that are strictly vegan. So the momentum's on our side, we're moving in the right direction. Hopefully it'll be quick enough to, to avert the climate catastrophe that is the greatest threat to humanity today. Um, so, you know what my favorite part of your book is, and I, is when you even talked about domesticated animals, how we have to take care of them, that we have to feed them even before we feed ourselves. And well, we all eat it together. I mean, we feed our dog and then we, you know, we all kind of eat together. But I just, I always remember that from your book because so many people, at least where I live, mistreat domesticated animals and keep them in the yards and keep them chained up. And I just love that you extended that compassion to our pets as well. Well, that's a Jewish teaching that, that's based on the prayer, most important Jewish prayer, the Shema, where it talks about God saying, I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle, and you shall eat and be satisfied. So mentioning the food for the cattle first, the sages interpreted that and said, if a person has a pet, you must make sure that animal is fed before you can sit down to your own meal. Part of Judaism's very powerful teachings on compassion for animals. And that's why, as you said, it's hard to see why so many rabbis and so many scholarly Jews are not vegetarian or vegan. Although it's happening, one more are, but certainly we've got a ways to go. And that's why, uh, and I'm glad to be on your program to discuss this, that is why I'm making this very audacious idea, maybe historic, maybe a transcending uh, initiative which is to restore the ancient Jewish New Year for animals and to transform it into a day devoted to increasing awareness of Jewish teachings on compassion for animals and how far the realities are on factory farms and other settings 
from these compassionate Jewish teachings. How, are you, how do you plan to do that, Dr. Schwartz? <laughs> okay, well, a few things. First of all, this occurs on Rosh Hodesh Elul, which actually, um, it's a two-day holiday, but the actual uh, new months are Thursday evening of this week, where we're doing this interview, and then Friday. So I've planned two Zoom meetings, and we're using modern technology, one in Israel here and one in the United States, with some very important speakers and rabbis, environmentalists, etc. So we're trying to get the word out through the Zoom meetings. And as part of that, I prepared a press release, and I'm gathering names of Jewish organizations, rabbis, other influential Jews. I have something like 32 rabbis signed up to support the initiative, or maybe 20, 25 organizations, any uh, Jewish organizational leaders. So we're doing that. And uh, this is the fourth interview I've done in the last uh, 10 days or so, trying to get the message out. And let us see the editors just every way we can. And uh, we're hoping this year to just get people to be more aware of the possibilities and use the next year to develop material so we can have all kinds of gatherings. And by the way, there's a precedent for this. Uh, this is the Jewish uh, New Year for animals. It was also a Jewish New Year for trees. And when the temple was destroyed in the year 70 of the Common Era, there was no need for the tithing for trees or for animals. How it became into this use but the mystics, the cowboys of Safat in Israel, restored that holiday, made it a day for having uh, two Mishpat Seder with all kinds of fruits, with all kinds of blessings. And by the way, become more and more popular, that's known as two Bishvat, that's the 15th day in the Jewish month of Shabbat. And it's become super popular, even among less religious Jews, become like a Jewish Earth Day. And when people in Israel plant trees, for example, on that day, they have get get togethers, eating all kinds of fruits, making blessings, and teaching about Jewish, uh, teaching about trees and about nature in general. That's beautiful. Where can people see your film, Sacred Duty? Oh, sorry. What about Sacred Duty? Where, where can people see it? Is it on Amazon? Is it on Netflix? How do they How do they watch it? The DVD. The name is the Sacred Duty. If they go to a sacredduty.com. They can find it there if they go to YouTube and search sacredduty.com. It's a one-hour documentary, very powerful, uh, because I was very fortunate in having uh, Lionel Friedberg, who's a multi-award-winning producer, writer, cinematographer, etc. And he did this as a labor of love and dedication, not a penny of a professional fee, though it paid all the expenses for the music itself. So, uh, it's such an important message. We've given away over 40,000 complimentary copies of the DVD and uh, people will find it very powerful, the environment in uh, Israel and reasons to become a vegetarian and even more so a vegan. Nice. What are some of the Jewish teachings about the treatment of animals? Okay, very, very strong. One thing it says that Jews are to be, in Hebrew it said, Rachmanim b'nei Rachmanim, which means compassionate children of compassionate ancestors. We are to emulate God whose compassion is over all God's works. And that's in Psalms 145, number nine. And 
there's another important teaching. It's like a test for righteousness. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 10, it says, the righteous individual considers the lives of his and her animals. And it's so important, it's part of the Ten Commandments. Not only are we as human beings to rest on the Sabbath day, very important, but animals are as well. As you pointed out before, she was not to sit down for a meal before seeing the animal was fed. And many teachings in the Torah, you can't yoke a strong and a weak animal while working in the field. This weak animal can't keep up, be very painful. And you can't uh, muzzle an ox while threshing in the field, so be denied from eating some of the food while working, etc. And very powerful teachings, but very contrary. We probably had other shows discussing the very negative ways that uh, animals are treated on factory farms. Uh, dairy cows, for example, artificially impregnated every single year. The baby's taken away almost immediately because they want that milk to be commercially sold, not for the care of the baby that it was designed for. Hens in cages so small they can't raise a wing, and therefore they're de beaked to prevent them from pecking at others and harming them. So many, many cases. So uh, realities are far from Jewish teaching. That's again why we want to reestablish this Jewish New Year and educate Jews on the compassionate teachings on Judaism. Of course, much in the Torah readings, in the uh, set of prayers are related to sacrifices, which was a concession to the time, a common mode of worship. But uh, we want to get the Jewish compassionate teachings onto the Jewish agenda. Why are so many of the holidays tied to animal sacrifices? Why is that even part of the religion? I mean, can't they update it now? Well, I don't know if you've seen that movie, uh, Fiddle on the Roof, tradition, tradition. Uh, and unfortunately, people don't want to change that fast. And that's why we are trying to make the change to, well, that's there to at least know the other part of it. And uh, as I said, sacrifices were the common mode of worship in the biblical times, but the, the Torah at least made a great step forward. They eliminated the human sacrifice, they eliminated the child sacrifice. They made sure and they ruled that all the sacrifices must be in one central place. People couldn't just go off and do it. Their only idea was to wean them off the sacrifices. And of course, the biblical prophets pointed out over and over again that God was more concerned that the society be one of mercy and justice, far more important than sacrifices. Matter of fact, Isaiah, one of the most important uh, prophets, indicated that sacrifices could be an abomination to God if carried out along with acts of injustice and uh, lack of compassion. We have a great question from Bonnie who's watching live. She goes, so with all the teachings, how did so many animal products become key to Jewish celebrations? The Paschal lamb and the roasted egg on the Seder plate, tapuchim and vash, you know, honey and apples for the new year. Why, why so many animal products tied to these celebrations? Well, once again, when the Bible was written, the Jews were a hurting people. As I mentioned, they, uh, they didn't know any other way but sacrifices in those days. And I guess uh, they, they tied it in with the meals. As a matter of fact, many people feel that the sacrifices were used as an excuse for eating meat. People felt, how can we eat meat and all? But look, we're sacrificing to God, therefore. And uh, supposedly 
uh, word is carbonote, which relates to coming close. Supposedly that was a way of coming close to God, but uh, moving away from that. And again, hopefully by restoring this holiday, it will show many Jews who may be alienated because they see that uh, holidays are involved with some of the animal products related to the sacrifices, that there is a far more compassionate side of Judaism. And we want to stress that far, far more. Yeah. And, you know, contemporary Jewish people, it's not just like they're eating a little meat, like a little, you know, grilled fish now and then. They're eating the most unhealthy kinds of meats, chopped liver with schmaltz, pastrami, corned beef. They're, they're not even eating, not that, not that I believe any meat is healthy, but you know what I'm trying to say. They're eating probably the least healthy forms of animal products. Matter of fact, the famous nutritionist, Nathan Pritikin, Nathan Pritikin said, that if the enemies of the Jewish people designed a Jewish diet, they could not have come up with a more harmful kind of diet. So that is true. And that's why it's so tragic that there's an epidemic here in the Senior Citizen Center. And unfortunately, there's so much illness and we've had speakers who unfortunately uh, don't stress the importance of the plant-based and vegan diets, you know, have a balanced diet. Some even promote eating of eggs meat is healthy according to them you need it for protein and that's why in that book uh, i appreciate your complimenting it i have questions and answers where i point out that uh, you can get enough protein from a plant-based diet you can get enough calcium without eating cow's milk that cow's milk was designed by god for the cows not for human beings and uh, matter of fact many many people are allergic to uh, cow's milk or the, the negative effects from it. Lactose intolerance, that's called. Yeah, I'm actually allergic to milk. So do you believe the world is heading towards a climate catastrophe? Okay, absolutely. That is one of the reasons that renewing this holiday is so, so important. Uh, the, uh, the shifting to a plant-based diet, not only important for animals, as important that is, but because climate change is the greatest threat in humanity. But more important than what I believe is the unbelievably very strong consensus of climate experts. They say 97 of climate experts agree that climate change is a major problem. Even more important is every single major science academy. And the science academy is a consensus statement. And even beyond more important than that is the peer-reviewed articles in respected science journals. You know, my opinion, I'm not somebody who studied that, I'm, I'm trying to be a middle person, but the peer-reviewed articles all are pointing out that climate change is a major threat to humanity and we don't have a, that much time. And as a matter of fact, the reason that this is so urgent, that things be done as soon as possible, the most important climate change group the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, that's a group made up of climate experts from all over the world. So it's a consensus document. In October 2018, they pointed out that we may only have until 2030, roughly 10 years from now, to make what they called unprecedented changes in order to have a chance to avert a climate catastrophe. And uh, another example of this, by the way, is in uh, December 2015, there was a climate change conference in Paris. 195 nations 
Now we know, you see the papers every single day about the conflict, Democrats, Republicans here in Israel, different parties, the right, the left. So you have 195 nations all agreeing 100% that climate change is a major threat, human induced, and we have to quickly do something about it. Most of the nations agreed to make pledges like by the year 2030, they're gonna reduce by 20%, you know, each nation, whatever they thought they could do. But it's not binding. Many are not living up to it. And according to the climate experts, this is really the most frightening thing, even if every single pledge was kept, the total temperature, which has gone up since pre-industrial days to now to about 1.1 degrees Celsius, which is already causing you know, major changes in climate and the glaciers melting and the polar ice caps melting. Anyway, it's gone up 1.1 degrees Celsius since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. They say by the end of the century, it will triple to about 3.1 degrees Celsius. And uh, that would be like disastrous. So it's like the fate of humanity is at stake. Everything must be done. And many people don't realize that animal-based agriculture is one of the leading causes of greenhouse gas emissions. And therefore, there's unfortunately no way we're going to avert a climate catastrophe unless there's a major shift toward plant-based, that is vegan diets. Yeah. Robin just made a wonderful comment. She said, just like medical students should learn about the health benefits of a vegan diet, rabbinical students should learn about compassion in treating animals through the benefits of vegan life and diet. Absolutely. <laughs> so happy we should learn about the environmental effects, invert, learn how animals are so mistreated, learn how millions of people dying of hunger every single year, we're feeding grain to animals. And, uh, and also, it's such a wasteful process. Some, so much, far more water is necessary to produce meat, far more energy, far more land. And uh, in a world where water is becoming more and more scarce, where energy is more and more of a problem, this is be another consideration. So I'm just curious, four years ago, you were 82 years old, what made you leave New York and move to another country. That's, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I, I moved when I was 59. I'm like, oh my God, this is like, and I only moved like two hours away to, to just leave your... No, I, it was a major, major move. And we went back and forth with my wife. We're, we're moving, no, we're not. That's how can we do it? And we had a nice big house <coughs> on Staten Island. You know, how are we going to get rid of things and all that? But a few factors, number one, I had two wonderful daughters living here with a husband, our grandchildren here in Israel. And they felt, uh, as we get older, thank God, my wife and I are generally in good health, but as the years go on, who knows? So I thought it's important to be near the children. And one other factor, first of all, uh, there was a possibility of moving to this wonderful retirement village where we are now. We can go to the gym every day, use the pool every day, they have entertainment, there's a synagogue right nearby. So that was an incentive. And one other factor is that Israel being a relatively small country, there's really no better place to be an activist than in Israel. And uh, luckily I've been able to keep my activism going and even more so writing letters to the Jerusalem Post all the time. By the way, uh, let's see, I meant to be able to show you. There was a big article in the Jerusalem Post this Friday 
on uh, my uh, campaign to reinstall the uh, Jewish New Year, as I mentioned before, et cetera. So I've had articles and uh, as you pointed out before, I have a new book coming out in September that reinforces all the things we've been talking about now and hoping to really build a big campaign around it. So it was a big move, but uh, we're happy we did it. Although, unfortunately, my Hebrew is not super great, but I'm working on it and uh, uh, the positives far outweigh the negatives. I want to hear all about your new book, but first there's a question from a live viewer because I did find a link to a sacred duty on YouTube and I posted, and is there, do they show, you know, horrific things? Because some people are very sensitive to that. Okay, well, but we really um, watered it down relatively speaking. So, I mean, we do show how terrible animals are treated, but compared to the first edition, where we uh, showed it to a number of people, made changes, so that it's not, uh, too, I would say it's not that, that extreme. And uh, I think people should be able to handle seeing it okay. So we have a, a, a prominent vegan watching you today, Dr. John Westerdahl, and he writes, Seventh-day Adventist Christians have many similar dietary habits that Jewish people who follow the Mosaic health laws have in the Old Testament in Genesis 1.29. It is clear that God originally intended man to follow a vegan diet, the Garden of Eden diet. Also in the Old Testament in 11, I gotta get glasses, I think 11.6, it points out in God's heavenly kingdom, we will return to an all plant-based diet as there will be no killing or suffering. It was the best diet for man in the Garden of Eden and again in God's heavenly kingdom. And it certainly is the best diet for us today. Couldn't agree more. Thanks for the comment, John. So true. Right. By the way, he mentioned that Isaiah chapter 11, verses 6 to 9, in the ideal time to come, in the messianic period that Jews will yearn for, uh, according to Robert Cook, that will again, well, the first and second temple had animal sacrifices, the third would not, it would only be sacrifices for grain. Of course, in that ideal time, people will be at a higher level, a higher madrega. There will always be a need for Thanksgiving sacrifices, but not for animal sacrifices. Uh, Thanksgiving sacrifice could be with grains. And that uh, view of Ralph Cook, that there won't be animal sacrifices, that's based on Isaiah. Chapter 11, verses 6 to 9, says, among other things, that the wolf will dwell with the lamb, the lion will eat straw like the ox. No one shall hurt nor destroy in all of God's holy mountain. And uh, the good professor mentioned that first dietary law, uh, was strictly vegan, chapter one, verse 29, as he said. And that is consistent with what modern science is finding out. It, we don't have the claws of a um, carnivorous animal. We don't have the sharp, hard, digger-like teeth. Our intestinal system is much longer, and that's why people have digestive problems with the meat staying in the system a long time. And our stomach acids are 120th as strong as the acids in a carnivorous animal so they can, of course, uh, they need to have the meat, but it's very negative for human beings. You know, and I always wondered why, why, why do there have to even be carnivorous animals? Why couldn't everything be created vegan? <laughs> okay, well, that's God's plan in order to, uh, well, get rid of the weakest of the flock or something. You know, it, it's, it's all together, otherwise, uh, 
I don't know how it would be, and maybe there would be a superabundance of certain kind of animals and overpopulation and other problems and all. But uh, that's it. But anyway, human beings certainly are not carnivorous, not omnivorous. As I say, our hands, our teeth, our stomach acids, all are consistent with those of herbivorous animals, consistent with uh, the first dietary law, chapter 1, verse 29, and all the Jewish sages agree that people were initially meant in the Garden of Eden to be vegans. Yeah. But don't people sometimes interpret the Bible just like the Torah or their Talmud? They, they interpret it the way that favors what they really want to do. So like a lot of people will say, no, they'll just like we're saying, there's verses that show we're supposed to eat a plant-based diet. Other people say, no, here it clearly says we're allowed to eat meat. We should eat meat. Okay. Well, again, God did not create people as angels. He gave us free choice and all. He meant to have us as vegans. He found that it wasn't exactly working. So uh, permission was given but with all kinds of stipulations. So the way I put it is that human beings have a choice. There are chief rabbis who are strict vegetarians, some vegans. So if chief rabbi can do it, that means human beings do have possibility. Others do eat meat. So we do have a choice. But what I say is, should not that choice be based on taking into account the highest of Jewish values. Would God want us to have a diet that's bad for our health? That mistreats the animals because again, Psalms 145.9 says, God's compassion's over all the animals. And somebody told the Lord's do have compassion for animals as their theme. Would God want us to have a, a, a diet that is so negative on the environment that really with climate change threatens the future of all of humanity? And God wants to have a diet which involves so many hungry people, so many dying of salvation, while we're feeding so much grain to animals destined for slaughter. So many you know, people take seriously the Torah teachings. And you can't find the teachings that say permission was given. But certainly, there's much about compassion, much about taking care of our health. This is so important, by the way, that there are 613 mitzvot, commandments in Judaism, but 610 can be, an actual should be violated if a human life is in danger. The only three exceptions are prohibitions against murder, idol worship, and sexual immorality. Wow. You sure know a lot about this. <laughs> so tell us about your new book, when it comes out, what's the name of it, and what it's, what it's about. Okay. Okay. The new book is Vegan Revolution. And the subtitle is very minor details, saving the world, revitalizing Judaism. So it's like a vegan revolution, because I said living here in Israel, the capital of veganism, so much is going on, the young people moving in that direction, so many new products, so many substitutes, by the way, are so tasty, so much like meat that people who have been eating meat for decades and decades cannot tell the difference between a plant-based burger and one from an animal. So there's been tremendous progress in that. And that's why I'm calling it a vegan revolution. And I'm saying saving the world because the world needs saving, as we mentioned, because of climate change, world's heading toward an unprecedented climate catastrophe. And 
the major contribution in that is animal-based diet. So it's essential to be a major shift to vegan diets to avoid that. And put in revitalizing Judaism, because as we pointed out, Judaism has strong teachings on animals, uh, compassion for animals, on taking care of the environment, on helping uh, the hungry, on being healthy. But this is being ignored by the fact that the vast majority of Jews still eat meat, and many are unaware of or downplaying the fact that animal-based diets and agriculture seriously uh, are in violation of basic Jewish teachings that we've been talking about. So is this, is this your third book? Well, uh, let's see. Actually, actually, it'll be my fifth because it all started way back. I mentioned that math course I was teaching and I wrote a book, Mathematics and Global Survival. And that went through three or four editions because that was related to what's happening in the world. And over 25 years of teaching that course, Mathematics and the Environment, the change. So we have that first book, Judaism and Vegetarian is second, Judaism and Global Survival is third. And then another book we didn't talk about is called, um, who Stole My Religion? Revitalizing Judaism and Applying Jewish Values to Help Heal Our Imperial Planet. So in a way, there's the fifth book. And if you take into account different editions, this is like maybe the, the 12th or so, and all that. So I think this book is important because it builds on the momentum. And as I said, many, many things have to be done to avert a climate catastrophe. And people know we've got to get more efficient cars, we've got to move away from coal burning plants, move to solar and wind power. And but many do not know enough about the fact that animal-based agriculture, major contributor to climate change, a UN study, not the Sierra Club, not the people for ethical treatment of animals, but a UN Food and Agriculture Organization study, 206, 2006, called Livestock's Long Shadow pointed out an amazing, amazing thing. It said that animal-based agriculture emits more greenhouse gases and carbon dioxide equivalents than all the cars, trains, planes, ships, all the means of transportation worldwide combined. So when you realize all the cars, all the traffic jams, the planes, in normal times at least taking off every minute, and yet animal-based agriculture emits more greenhouse gases. And that's mainly because uh, cows and other farmed animals emit methane, which is a very potent greenhouse gas, much more than carbon dioxide. There's less of it, but very potent. It's only in the atmosphere 20 years or so, very short half-life. Uh, so that shifting away from the animal-based diet, getting methane out of the atmosphere could make a major, major difference in the essential efforts to avert a climate catastrophe. Great, thank you. Bonnie wants to know if you have any recommendations for good vegan cookbooks, Jewish vegan cookbooks, especially ones that are geared towards the Jewish holidays. Okay, one thing is if you go to the website of the Jewish Vegetarians in North America, by the way, now it's changed the name to Jewish Veg, you'll find a tremendous amount of recipes organized by the various holidays. And um, in my Vegetarian book, it does have uh, in the bibliography reference to a number of these books. And that will be again in my new book, offhand, I'm just not thinking of any. But as I said, to go to that website, and by the way, 
my complete book, Judaism and Vegetarianism, as well as my second book, Judaism and Global Survival, the latest editions can be found and read completely freely on a website, which is Jewish Beg, one word, jewishbeg.com. I think dot org will also work, but then a slash, jewishbeg.com, say slash S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z, spelling of my last name. So the complete book can be read there and, uh, and uh, they can find out by seeing in bibliography some of the books that uh, are very good in that. But once again, online at the Jewish Veg uh, website, there's uh, many, many recipes organized by the Jewish holidays. I'm gonna find those links and post them while you answer the next question. Um, Craig says, do you think Jewish people are especially sensitive to suffering of animals because of how they have been treated? Okay, well, partly because of the Jewish teachings on compassion for animals, but maybe partly that also because Jews have always been like a minority, always have to struggle, always have to find ways of uh, living a good life, even when so much oppression that has happened. So that is very possibly one reason. And it is true, by the way, if you look at the leadership of vegetarian, vegan movements, animal rights movements and organizations, there is a much higher percent of Jews in leadership positions. So that definitely uh, could be one of the reasons for that. What part of Israel do you live in? Okay, you live in an area called Shoresh, which is sort of roughly between Jerusalem and Beit Shemesh, and also between Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. And it's great because we're higher up and therefore, we have a lot of fresh air, a lot of beautiful views from here. And uh, it's usually generally a bit cooler than some of the other sections. And by the way, I didn't mention before, one of the very important things now is that 2020 may turn out to be the hottest year in recorded history since about 1880. If not the hottest, it will be second or possibly third, but it's now on track to be way up there. And the amazing thing is every single year this century, 20 years, every one of these years is in the top 21. 2016 broke the world average temperature record, which was previously broken by 2015 and 2014, meaning three consecutive years broke the record. So it's definitely a lot of hotter. And now this has caused the melting very rapidly of uh, polar ice caps and um, uh, other areas, glaciers, glaciers are melting very rapidly. Just today, I saw an indication that the melting in Greenland is so rapid now that it may have passed a tipping point and be unable to really slow it down. So it, that's why, again, it's essential that averting a climate catastrophe become a central organizing principle in Jewish life today and hopefully beyond that. And while Jews are a relatively small percent of the world's population, we are meant to be a life unto the nation, God's witnesses, the holy people, kingdom of priests. So hopefully we'll set a good example and uh, be much more consistent with Jewish teachings on compassion for animals and saving the planet and other teachings. Wow. Heather wants to know if you've ever been to Tel Aviv. She says she hears it's very vegan friendly. 
television, very big in front of it. Yeah. So I said, Israel is a big capital world, and the big center is really Tel Aviv, and there's so many big restaurants, so many big choices. The supermarkets now have an abundance of these products, and there's so many good substitutes, and there's something called, what is it, Beyond Meat, that was put on the stock market, and its value shot up. So people are realizing this is a trend where we're going, especially now with this pandemic, where many quote unquote, meat packing plants have had to shut down or reduce their production because people working so closely together in those terrible conditions, the uh, virus has been spreading. And uh, there was something even at Costco with, I think I don't know if they actually did it, uh, sort of rationing the amount of meat that any one person can buy. So this is again, a movement toward plant-based diets, toward vegan diets. So why do you think Judaism needs a revitalization? Okay, one reason is that, and this is why I wrote that book, Who Stole My Religion, and I point out very strongly, Judaism has amazingly strong teachings on compassion for animals, on seeking justice, on environmental conservation, conserving resources, but uh, what good are great teachings if they're not put into practice? Judaism should be leading efforts to avert this climate catastrophe and the vegan movement. And I don't want, by the way, for people to think that there's nothing at all being done. There are some wonderful Jewish groups on it. So I've mentioned in my uh, press release for the uh, revival of this three for animals, I have a list of maybe 20 organizations that are supporting our efforts. So a lot of things being done, but uh, from too many cases, people are just, doing too much to just go through the motions, even if they go to synagogues all the time, and not putting Judaism into practice. Because it said, you know, which is more important, study or action. Say study is more important because it leads to action. So we've got to teach things. We don't have to, God forbid, to go to other religions. And we have to put these teachings into practice in order to leave a better world, a decent world for future generations. And we mentioned I've been living here in Israel for four years. I've been really, my wife, been very blessed to have three grandchildren get married and to have the birth for the first time of a great grandson. So we're now great grandparents. But I wonder when I see people getting married, when I see somebody being born wonderful, so much joy. Uh, but what kind of life are these young couples going to have? What kind of life are these children going to have? in a world that's warming up so much, in a world where the oceans are rising, and uh, by the end of the century, they predict it could be three feet higher. If Greenland continues to melt, it could be anywhere up to 20 feet or more, maybe higher, and that would be devastating. Already in Miami, Florida, and other coastal cities, they have what they call sunny day flooding. You don't even need a storm, just uh, the time of the high tides, can cause flooding because the waters have been rising due to the melting of the polar ice caps and the glaciers. Does your family still live in the United States? <laughs> okay, well, I have three children, two daughters living here in Israel. With the I do have one son still in the States and of course, uh, other relatives. So uh, main family now is in Israel and uh, Except for the pandemic, we get together all the time. One daughter would come for a swim 
once a week in a wonderful pool here that we have, and that's open to visitors uh, a couple afternoons a week, but not now with the pandemic. Were you able to uh, influence the rest of your family to go vegan with you? Okay, well, my wife is pretty much vegan, you know, not maybe 100%, but very close. And I do have, let's see, two grandchildren who are vegan, a granddaughter uh, who is vegan, another granddaughter is vegetarian. So, uh, you know, the thing is, I didn't become vegetarian and later vegan until later in life. They were already used to uh, meat based diet. So, not everyone, but at least some of them. And they certainly understand uh, where I'm coming from on that. So if people want, do you, I, I know, do you have any way to people, for people to follow you? Do you have a mailing list? Are you on Instagram or Facebook? If people wanted to connect with your work, how would they do it? Okay, first I can give you my uh, email address. That's veggierich at gmail.com. That's V-E-G-G-I-E-R-I-C-H at gmail.com. And also, I mentioned that website, jewishveg.com slash Schwartz. And there I have over 250 articles, about 25 podcasts. And by the way, I happen to have this in my pocket. I just want to show you, to mention how we're getting the word out. So here was an article just in this past Friday section. Did everybody see it? Uh, in Jerusalem, you can see my picture there. And 86 years old. I have to mention, I, I was born at a very early age, you know, so that was a factor. <laughs> a very nice article, knowing the ancient uh, New Year for animals. So we're getting that kind of publicity, and thankfully, I really appreciate being on this program. It's the fourth one, 10 days. Wow. Because it's so essential. All with women interviewers, so and the women are really so much involved in our veg movement. Sometimes, how more and more compassion. You know, it's funny. You were born at an early age, and this is literally the oldest I've ever been. So, what can I tell you? <laughs> so, how many years now has it been for you being vegan? Oh, uh, roughly two thousand two now, so about twenty years vegan. Right. So have, did you notice any improvements? I know you were doing it originally for compassion, but have you noticed any improvements in your health? Because you seem to be very healthy to me. You look great, not just for 86, but in general. But how is your health? Oh, thank God. Thank God. Uh, considering I'm 86, and uh, unfortunately, as I look around in our retirement village, and some of them to be healthy, but uh, so many move to needing walkers and wheelchairs and everything. And it's just a uh, uh, very negative effect. So many are falling. And uh, so, you know, I'm sure I'm a lot healthier than I would be if I wasn't a vegetarian, now a vegan. And uh, I'm just happy. Also, I was blessed with very good genes. I think my dad was almost 100 when he passed away. And my mom in the late 80s. So. And uh, I'm just uh, thankful, counting my blessings every single day, and hopefully being able to continue to really be very active because there's no more important cause now than averting a climate catastrophe. And I say, uh, animal-based diets are a major contributor. Got to be a shift toward veganism. And I'm hoping with my new book to really make it not just a book, but a cause and really try to 
gets the message out. I hope once it's out and the poor love to get back on this program, of course. <laughs> so do you do you exercise at all? Well, just about every single day I go to the gym and then I go to the pool. So definitely uh, <coughs> exercising, helping me try to keep my weight down and all. Is, um, do, you, do you eat pretty healthy? Do you, would you say you had a pretty healthy version of the vegan diet? Uh, I think so. I have a lot of fruits and vegetables and uh, not, you know, I do have some processed foods and some uh, mock meats, which are probably not as healthy as all that, but plenty of fruits, vegetables, nuts and seeds. So I think it's uh, hopefully on the healthy side. That's good. Are there a lot of vegan restaurants in Israel? Oh, definitely. It's uh, especially in a place like Tel Aviv and, uh, you know, plenty of places. And even the non-vegan restaurants, almost every one on the menu has a whole bunch of items with a special symbol indicating this is a vegan option. So you can go to almost any restaurant and get vegan options. You say the supermarkets more and more, and there's some wonderful health food stores here in Israel. So it's, uh, it's definitely the trend moving in that direction. And also, you know, maybe 30, 40 years ago, vegetarians were more defensive. Others were challenging, how do you get enough protein and all? But now things have changed and the non-vegetarians are saying, you know, I don't eat red meat. I only eat it uh, on uh, once a week or twice a week and all, you know, or I don't eat that much, I eat small portion. So the others are like saying, uh, and even some people, by the way, who are not even vegetarians say they are, even though they eat fish, for example, pescatarians. So uh, it's become more a, a, a positive thing. Much easier to be vegetarian or vegan today. There's so many more choices. And there's so many more others like that. As I say, there's a relatively small amount of people here at the retirement village, but almost everyone tells me about their vegetarian, even more so vegan children and grandchildren. That's fantastic. Jennifer wants to know, do you drink any wine? <laughs> Actually, very, very, very seldom. Maybe if I'm out uh, at, uh, eating at somebody's house on a Friday night. Generally, we should have great juice on Friday nights. Don't have any other kind of liquor. And uh, so that, that's it. But again, fruits and vegetables. There's so many more foods in the plant kingdom than the animal kingdom, you know, and uh, it's so unnecessary. That's why it is, we're destroying the world by eating a food that is so unhealthy. And uh, unfortunately, so many misconceptions. And as you probably know, doctors are not trained for prevention. You know, it's more popular, Pill, although there too, more and more doctors are becoming aware of the health effects of plant-based diets. So certainly you can find uh, doctors that can help in that regard. Wow, that's great. So will your book, your new book, Vegan Revolution, be available on Amazon when it comes out? Oh, absolutely. And also it'll be in, I think, paperback, but also in an ebook form so that people have that possibility and I'm hoping to get it widely reviewed in the world because uh, to me, it's gonna be like a cause, not just a, like any other book, but it's something that is meant as the subtitle says, to save the world and help revitalize Judaism to show that it is 
the religion with such beautiful, powerful teachings on so many important aspects that are needed today. So the important thing is to put the teachings into practice. And that's what we're trying to encourage people to do. Great. Well, last question. Do you think you'll be able, with your initiative, be able to restore the Jewish holidays to one of more compassion? Well, we're really going to try. We're starting this year, as I said, 31 rabbis supporting it. And I think this is an idea I just had, by the way, maybe two or three weeks ago. So we've given more time. I think we can get many more rabbis to support it and many Jewish organizations supporting it. We have one more Jewish organization. So we're hoping, hoping because it, it, it's essential to let it be done. And again, being on this program, I'm sure it's going to be a step forward. And I hope every person who is hearing this broadcast will go to their local rabbi and very respectfully say, you know, I heard this talk that Judaism is teaching that compassion for animals, that animal-based diets violate many Jewish laws. Can we put this on the agenda? Can we have discussions? You know, they have to to challenge him from a vegetarian and vegan, but at least it should be discussed because again, eating is such an important part of life and certainly within Judaism, you know, the, the, you know, the famous saying, they tried to kill us, we won, let's eat. That's totally <laughs> behind all the Jewish holiday. So I hope every person listening will tell others. And uh, if you want more information about the two Zoom conferences taking place Thursday night, August 20th, contact me at veggierich again at gmail.com. If you could give me that information, I can also put it in what's called the show notes, if you can tell me how people can get involved with those. So I should email it to you? Absolutely. And then I can then it can stay on this video so people that weren't watching live can find it. So that would be great. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. And 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 for people that don't have rabbis to go to, go to their priests, their pastors, yeah. their ministers, because it's not just a Jewish all religions need to embrace compassion. Absolutely. You know, I gave an idea to Rabbi Shmuley and he liked it, but he's too busy to do it, that there needs to be like an interfaith council for all religions to embrace veganism. Well, absolutely. As I said, I'm president of uh, Society for Ethical and Religious Vegetarians, and we have a website with quotes from all the religions and uh, insights about that. And uh, it, it definitely uh, has to be a cooperation between all the religions. Save the world. Absolutely. Well, thank you for doing your part. And like I said, your book, Judaism and Vegetarianism, will always have a special place in my heart. It really made a huge difference in my life. Well, well it really makes me happy to hear that. So thank you very much. And uh, best wishes for your continued success. Well, thank you so much for the work you do, Dr. Schwartz. It was a, it's a pleasure and an honor catching up with you again after all these years. And guys, thank you so much for watching. Please come back at a later time today, we're doing a 5 p.m. show because our guest is in Australia. It's Dr. Greg Fitzgerald, who you've asked to come back. So thanks again, Dr. Schwartz. My pleasure. All the best. Bye. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom.